Well, hey guys, your friend Spencer. Thank you for watching today's video. In this video, we're going to do a sermon that we gave at our church called The Devil's Distractions. And I think a lot of us are distracted today, if we're honest. Before we do that, I want to give you a reminder. We have a book for sale on Amazon called The Doctrine Matters Bible Topic Guidebook. We know that this will be a great blessing to you. What we have is we have Bible verses categorized by topic, and we just we did a lot of work. This was a beast of a project, but we got it done, and now it's available for you on Amazon. Go check that out, the Dr. Matters Bible Topic Guidebook. We know that it will be a great blessing to you. So what we're going to do, we're just going to play a quick commercial for this book, and then we'll play a song by the Brown family. They're a great blessing to me. We appreciate them and love them very much. And then we're going to get right into the sermon. So if you're new, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And uh, we appreciate you guys very much. And of course, we have right down here at the bottom, it says uh, smite your like button, smite thine like button. We're King James folks here. And all your dreams will come true. <laughs> I always laugh when I see that. Anyway, we love you all. We'll see you very soon and enjoy the message. Have your Bible ready as we go along together. God bless you, friend. Have a good day. difficulties in a new life. Instead of being upset, under your breath, just whisper, thank you, you just served me. Oh, oh. Before Jesus could be crucified and rise from the dead, he had to be betrayed. You, that's, that's just. <sighs> if everyone would have loved Jesus, if everyone would have been for him, we wouldn't have salvation. Judas didn't come up with that on his own. He was a pawn in the hand of God. He was serving Jesus' destiny. <laughs> Jesus understood without the betrayal, he couldn't fulfill his purpose. <laughs> you could say that Judas did more for Jesus than any of the other disciples. <laughs> You need them to reach your destiny from A to B to C. Sometimes he'll find he's going to finish. One hour later. Three hours later. Joseph did as a team. Approximately ten hours later. Wow, this book made me feel a lot better. Everybody should have a copy of the Doctrine Matters Bible Topic Guidebook. Order yours today. Joseph had plenty of reasons to live better. But you never read where he complained. Never read where he had a bad attitude. Bad. 
This is, uh, we're going to deal with a problem that the early church had that I think is a good problem. But I think it's a, it's a problem that all of us, I think, some, to some degree face. And I think the devil does a lot more damage to us than we realize after facing this certain problem. And uh, I want to talk to you about this for a few minutes. So the Bible says, Acts chapter 6, if you're there, say amen. And uh, verse number 1, the Bible says, And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Now, every time God does something, people get upset. Do you notice that? People can walk the aisle and get saved, and somebody's going to sit in the back and grumble and say something negative and something whatever. And I found out that, uh, that the greatest 
greatest victories in my ministry I've ever had. Right as soon as it's over with, I got to face something that's just ridiculous and petty and silly. And I've thought to myself, oh, God, help me not to be that grumbling, petty, ridiculous human. Amen. Amen. Don't look at your husband when I say that. Amen. And, uh, but it says there, there was a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Why? Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So basically all these people are getting saved. The church is growing so big. There's so many thousands of people coming to Christ. Churches are being planted. Things are happening. But one little thing fell through the cracks. And uh, I have found that uh, that's quite often an easy thing to do, to let something slip. Well, basically what he did here is that they had to make a choice, okay? Are we going to stop doing what we're doing? and take all the time away from what's working to deal with the widows, or are we going to try to delegate this out and do something else with this? Now look what it says there in verse number 3. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Now, here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about the devil's greatest tactic that I think we're facing today, and that is the tactic of distraction. The tactic of distraction, keeping us away from the main thing, giving us side quests, if you will. Use a video game term, side quests. And we do so many side quests, we forget what the main quest is. And I think many of us are distracted. We don't even realize it, if, if we can say it that way. So let's pray. Ask God's blessing on this message tonight. Ask God to speak to your heart. And then we'll preach to you for about, uh, I don't know, about 45 minutes tonight. That'll be good. Father, Lord, bless now this time. Thank you for the word of God. And Lord, I am convinced. I am convinced that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I'm convinced that it's not my stories or my one-liners or my my jokes or my delivery or anything like that that's going to make a difference in anybody's life. I believe it's the Word of God preached through a vessel that's filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be that vessel tonight, Lord. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. I want to have God's blessing and God's power on me. I want, I want to be a help to God's people. I want to be a channel by which your power can flow through and speak to God's people. I want to uplift Jesus Christ. Lord, tonight as I give these people the Word of God, I pray that it would work effectually in their hearts. I pray that you would touch them, that you'd strengthen them. Lord, Lord, that you would reveal to us where we are wrong. Convict us, oh God, and help us to hit that reset button, if we will, so we can get back to doing what the will of God is. Help us to repent. Help us to be revived. Help us to be restored tonight. And God, may we walk out of this place tonight edified and better off spiritually than we were when we came. Use the word of God in our lives. Help my mind to think clearly. Help my mouth to speak clearly. And we'll give you glory for everything you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to talk to you about distraction for a little while tonight. And I, I've got a few things I want to say. I want to say the devil really wants to destroy every single one of us. He's trying to destroy this church. He's trying to destroy this preacher. He's trying to destroy me. He's trying to destroy every daddy in this room. He's trying to destroy every mama in this room. He's trying to destroy every teenager in this room. He's trying to destroy every child in this room. 
And the devil is not short on tools and tactics that he can use to destroy us. It really is no, no secret what he's trying to do, really. He's trying to use basically three main tactics. The devil loves to use the lust of the flesh. He loves to use the lust of the eyes. And he tries to use the pride of life to destroy all of us. I want to say that there's been many people who have fallen, unfortunately have fallen, in this battle to the lust of the flesh. Uh, I, I remember many times in Bible college, I, I remember one day I, I went to Bible college and, and I didn't feel well. I actually developed a fever in my second class while I was there and uh, actually went back to the dormitory. And when I went back to the dormitory, uh, there was a guy that was in my room. And I, I noticed as I walked in, he was very upset. He was crying. He was angry. And um, and I said, you know, his name was, so I said, so what you doing, man? He goes, I don't want to talk about it. And I noticed that he was opening up his drawers and clearing out his drawers and dumping them into a suitcase, open up the drawer, clearing them out, dumping them in a suitcase. And uh, and he he pulled all the sheets off his bed and pulled the pillow off his bed and, and was taking loads out to his car. And I thought to myself, what in the world is going on with this guy? And he was in my dorm. I mean, we prayed together. We, he loved the Lord. I love the Lord. And uh, turned out uh, the lust of the flesh got him. He was going home. And let me just put it to you this way. His girlfriend had a baby about seven months after that. Let's just put it that way. In Bible college, the lust of the flesh got him. He's not done anything for the Lord ever since. It's a terrible thing. Let me just say it to you this way. There have been many, also many people who have been sidetracked by the lust of the eyes, the desire to have. I didn't know this, but I found out that there's a lot of preachers. I found this study. It was Southern Baptist study by preachers. There's an inordinate amount of preachers that get out of the ministry in their 50s. Preacher, do you know that? You know why? Because they starved to death all these years, and, they're, and, and these churches don't pay them nothing. I'm trying to help you out, you know. <laughs> these churches don't pay them nothing. I, I know how that works. I, I've, listen, I've lived by faith for many years, and by, by faith I mean credit cards, amen, and uh, give you a love offering. Ain't no love in that love offering. And the, a lot of these preachers, I've seen a lot of them get out of the ministry in their 50s because the financial risk of getting out of the ministry is far less than the financial risk of staying in the ministry. I don't know about you, but I'd like to retire someday. That got cold. Lust of the eyes. I'm going to tell you this. If God provided for me in my 20s, I believe God will provide for me in my 70s too. But most men don't think that way. But let me say also that many have lived a life of great usefulness to the cause of Christ and they have been greatly used all of their years, but somewhere down the road they ruined all of it because of the pride of life. I think a lot of old men get in the ministry and they get to where they think they deserve something. They deserve an accolade or two. And they deserve to disrespect people and they deserve to treat people like garbage. Why? Because I'm the great one here. No, 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 you're not. You're just a sinner saved by grace. And just like I am, and you just happen to be born in a different decade than I was. But many people don't see it that way. And I want to say that Satan is playing a horrible game and he knows exactly what he's doing. He's very good at it and uh, he's been doing it for a very long time. But there's another tactic that I see that Satan uses quite often and that is the tactic of distraction. I want to say that if, a, if the devil can't get you to fall by immorality, stealing money, losing your testimony, or getting you to go weird in your doctrine, then I think Satan really, what he'll do is he'll pull out his last resort on you, 
And the last resort is just distraction and busyness, and he'll keep your days occupied with that. I want to tell you that if Satan can't get you into the bars and saloons and all the other hell holes of the world, if he can't get you into those places, then he'll just settle to keep you out of your prayer closet and your Bible reading. I think that's what he'll do. Let me put it to you this way. I wrote this down because this is really cute and clever, and I like being like this. Amen. I'm going to say it this way. If he can't get you with immorality, then he'll just distract you with Instagram. Ooh, I felt that one. If he can't get you through the lust of the flesh, then he'll distract you through the likes of Facebook. If he can't get you through the pride of life, then he'll get you through the power of media. And if he can't get you through degeneracy, then he'll just, he'll just waste your life in distraction. I read this article the other day, and I want to, I'm going to just read this to you, okay? Just give you a little bit of information. There's a website called tech in, techjury.net, and they did a study in 2022 on social media usage in today's age, and they found out that uh, they said that 4.7 billion people on this planet, that's over half, are active daily social media users, and they found out that the average person on the planet spends two and a half hours a day on social media. Now, you old people look at that and say, these young whippersnappers and all this. I'm going to tell you this. This ain't a new problem. Your generation had the same problem, too. I've got a quote here from Charles Spurgeon. He said this. He said, I venture to say that the bulk of Christians spend more time in reading the newspaper than they do reading the Word of God. That was in the 1800s, he said that. Someone said, these people today are not sociable. I found a picture of people on the train years ago in the 1920s with newspapers up and nobody talking to each other. And they said that's the equivalent of people looking at their phones not talking to each other today. Amen. I think that's what's going on today. I think that the Bible and the Word of God has become, it really, it, it, this is the power of God. This right here will change your life. This is the hammer that will break the rock in pieces. This is what. This is the book that will sculpt your mind. This is the book that will point you to Christ. This is the book that will change your life. This is the book that will clean you up. This is the book that will comfort you. This is the book that will help you. You don't need the truth. You have the truth right here. You are. I'm not looking for the truth. I'm looking in the truth. The Bible is the Word of God. Amen. I want to tell you right here, I have in my hands the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E basic instructions before leaving earth. I have the Bible and I want to tell you right now, the devil, the devil is trying to do everything he can. If he can't get you into the bars and he can't get you into all the hell holes, he will do one thing and that is keep you away from this book. That's all he's doing. That's all he's doing. That's all he's doing. And I want to tell you today that I, I look, I make, a, I make a living through social media. I do. I'm the king of social media. I, I'm on it more than all of y'all. Amen. I promise you. Amen. And uh, I, I'm the king of it. But I'm going to tell you today, I, there comes a point where I got to set that down and I got to turn it off and I got to I got to cut all the I, I, I'm, I'm like uh, I'm I'm a spiritual schizophrenic. Basically, what happens to me is I'll start listening to Lester Roloff and Lester Roloff will preach against the TV. And next thing you know, I'm preaching against the TV, too. And I've got I counted the other day. I got six TVs in my house. Amen. And I'm preaching against them. I'm a hypocrite. Amen. <laughs> I don't need no comments from the peanut gallery now. 
Oh, yeah, we're going to discipline somebody tonight. <laughs> but you know, the devil today, we live in the day and age of deception and the day and age of distraction. He loves to keep us away from the Bible. Now, let me do this. I'm going to give you an outline because I'm a Baptist preacher. I give you three points, a poem, a tap dance, and an invitation. And if I'm, if I'm on the road, I'll, I'll give, you know, I'll make, they make them give me an offering too. Amen. Uh, but that's not what I'm doing here tonight. The first thing I want to do tonight is I want to point you to this, what I would call, number one, the power of the ministry. The power of the ministry. I want you to go back here. Go, go back with me to Acts chapter number, let's go to Acts chapter number one. I want to show you this, okay? Acts chapter number one. We see here in Acts 6, all these people getting saved. All these people are coming to Christ. All these people are, man, getting, as they say down in Georgia, getting born again. And I had a man in Georgia testify one time. He said, I'm saved and born again. And I thought, well, what's the difference? And uh, But I didn't correct him because I thought it sounded good. Amen. So I'm saved and born again. And all these people here in this passage of Scripture are getting saved and born again. And uh, here's, here's the power of the ministry. The power of the ministry of the early New Testament church was two things. Number one, it was the fact that they prayed. And number two, it was the fact that they preached the Word of God. It wasn't because they had a good music program. It wasn't because they had a nice building and they had a program for the kids. It was, it was two things, because they preached and they prayed. That was it. That's how it always was. That's how it always will be. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 14, we see here these all continued with one accord in what? Prayer, prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brethren. Now, a lot of churches years ago used to practice cottage prayer meetings. So they'd go to your house and, and they'd, go, they'd go sit in your living room and everybody, they'd preach and they'd pray in everybody's house and living room. Nowadays, you can't do that because everybody's got too much stuff and everybody got to clean up. Nobody wants anybody to come over and all that kind of stuff like that. Amen. That's not what they do anymore. But you saw that they preached and they prayed there in, uh, in Acts chapter 1. Go also with me over to Acts chapter 2. And uh, let's go there, verse number 37. And it says there, Acts 2, 37. Now, when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, I want you to notice there, they, they weren't given an invitation. You know who was given the invitation there in the book of Acts? The people that were here in the sermons. Can you imagine that kind of power? I heard a preacher years ago, he said, I was preaching and God met with us in the meeting and God was moving in the meeting. He said, people were getting under conviction. He said, I, I was standing there preaching and a woman just stood up and says, sir, I, I need you to tell me how to be saved right now. And he said, ma'am, I'll tell you. And he told her right there and she got saved right there. It wasn't the preacher giving the invitation. It was the people hearing the message giving the invitation. Can you imagine such a thing? Amen. That's what was going on. And then it says in verse number 38, it says, uh, repent. Peter said unto them, repent. That's a scary word. Peter believed in repentance. Matter of fact, I read in Luke chapter 15, there was a man in hell, and he looked up to Abraham and says, if, if you go to my brethren, they will repent. We've got people in hell who believe in repentance. We've got Baptist preachers who don't. Well, that's strange. Just pray this prayer. I don't see that going on here, do you? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of the sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look what it says in verse number 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now let me say this. I don't see pony rides there. I don't see barbecues there. I, don't see, I, don't, I mean, I just don't see bouncy houses there. I'm for a bouncy house. 
I like promotions. I, I like them. I mean, I'd, I'd have a bouncy house at a funeral if I thought I'd get somebody saved. I mean it. I mean, I really would. I, I mean, I'd give away a girl's bicycle at a funeral if I thought I'd get somebody saved. But, but that's not what got these people to come to Christ. Okay? It was preaching and it was praying. And it was preaching and it was praying. And it was preaching and it was praying. And people were getting saved because they were preaching and because they were praying. And I think today the problem with the modern church is that they've got away from the two most simple things that the Word of God clearly told you was what we were supposed to do. We're supposed to be preaching and we're supposed to be praying. But now we're giving TED Talks and we're counseling and we're having events and we're having activities and we're having all kinds of all kinds of singings and whatever. And I'm, I'm for singings. I like singing. I, I I'm not going to be participating in the singing, but if somebody's a good singer and they don't want to preach, do that at the church, I'll come listen to them. But that's not what got the early church started. It wasn't built on quartets. Quartets that get, they'll come and sing in a church with their Masonic Lodge rings on their right finger, and then they'll get on the bus and start drinking brandy and smoking cigars after they leave. Hey, the church wasn't built off singing. Is everybody okay? It's Wednesday night. Hey, man, yes. I'm so sick to death of these effeminate southern gospel quartets. Ain't even born again. Not even saved. Don't even believe in nothing. And, and they'll come into a King James Bible church and sing and take a love offering and get on the get on the bus and make fun of the King James Bible church on the, on the way down the road. Amen. They didn't build the church. They didn't start the church. It was started by prayer meetings and people praying and seeking God. And God's power came on them. And when God's power came on them, they started preaching the Word of God and telling people as they were what the Word of God says and let the Holy Ghost do a work of God in people's life. Amen. I felt like preaching tonight. Is everybody okay? Yes, I got saved because somebody was preaching to me. I got called to preach because somebody was preaching to me. I got right with God because somebody was preaching to me. I gave up rock and roll music and country music because somebody was preaching to me. And you ought to give up those things. I, I'm sick to death of Sunday school teachers living a double life, teaching kids the gospel on Sunday morning and getting in their car, driving to the restaurant or driving home, listening to country music in their car. You ought to resign. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. We need holy people today. It's no wonder we ain't got no revival. It's no wonder we ain't got no repentance. It's no wonder we ain't got the Holy Ghost of God moving in our church today because we ain't got no repentance and we ain't got no people moving and we ain't got nothing happen because we are not people who pray and we are not people who preach the Word of God. Hey, man, that's what we need. I'm sick to death of formulaic Christianity. I'm sick to death of, of a program. I'm tired of going into churches and they hand me an order of service and, and it's like it's like I'm a part of a high school play. Brother, this is the part where you come out and you do your thing. Hey, I'm not some performer, I'm a preacher. And you, listen, I, I'm, I'm there to do what the Holy Ghost wants me to do. I'm not there to perform a lecture. I'm not there to go through a bunch of material. And I'm not a teacher. I'm a preacher of the Word of God. Amen. We've programmed the Holy Ghost out of our services. The power of their ministry was in that they were preaching and they were praying. And I think today we do a whole lot of preaching and we're just filling time. We preach, the average Baptist church preaches four times a week and prays once. Y'all 
got cold on that one. Acts chapter number 4. Go there with me. They kept on preaching, and they kept on praying. And they kept on preaching, and they kept on praying. And look what it says there in Acts chapter number 4, and in verse number 3. And they laid hands on them and put them in the hold unto the next day, for it was now even time. Howbeit many of them which heard the word, you see that right there, heard that word. They didn't hear the stories. They didn't hear the music. It wasn't about the music. It was about the word. They heard the word, believed, and the number was about 5,000. Billy Graham, eat your heart out, baby. Amen. 5,000 people getting saved there in the book of Acts chapter number 4. And what were they doing? They were preaching. And they were praying. And they were preaching. And they were praying. Go with me also uh, to verse number 10 of Acts chapter 4. It says, Be it known unto you all and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you've crucified. That's not very nice. Whom God hath raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know what they were doing? They were preaching. They were saying, Muhammad can't save you, and these Roman gods can't save you, and your Judaism can't save you, and keeping the Old Testament law ain't going to save you. All of you wicked devils who crucified the Lord of glory, He came, you saw Him, you, you crucified Him, you're all going to hell, and if you don't believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to die and burn in the lake of fire forever. That's what they were preaching, and they were praying, and they were preaching, and because of that, people got saved. And I get worried about these politicians because you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to, they're trying to please as many people as possible so they can get into power. I don't care if I please anybody. I think the average preacher today is more, more of a politician in a pulpit than he is a preacher. I see, I see the Apostle Paul preaching in the book of Acts, and he preached, and guess what? They tried to kill him. And guess what he did? He didn't learn from his mistakes. He went to the next town and preached the devil out of them, and they tried to kill him again. You want to talk about a circuit riding ministry? He obviously had not read Norman Vincent's Peel, The Power of Positive Thinking. He had obviously never been to Joel Osteen's ministry school. He had obviously never read How to Win Friends and Influence People because he was just roasting people everywhere he went. And guess what? The Word of God did that. And guess what happened? People got saved. And they got mad. And the problem today is we're, we're too worried about the crowd that could get mad rather than the crowd that could get saved. Hallelujah. I believe we all just stand up and just let her rip. I believe we all just let the chips fall where they may. And I believe, I believe some, some woman with a casting crown CD and a pack of cigarettes in her purse will just get mad. Get mad. Had one comment on my Facebook page today. I mean, actually, and I had another one the other day. She was on Instagram. She said, you're not loving. You're judging. You're always so harsh and mean and unkind. I said, who is this nut talking to me? And I hit, I hit her, her face. I want to hit her face some more. <laughs> but I hit her face. And you know what it was? It was some purple-haired girl, and she had one of these nose rings. How do you blow your nose? You women with these studs in your nose, do you do you grab tissues and blow your nose and something squirts out? Like, I mean, that's nasty. 
That's you're gross. That's that's disgusting. That's not cute. When a man has a midlife crisis, he he buys a motorcycle and grows a beard. When a woman has a midlife crisis, she gets a nose ring. Nasty. And and a tattoo. Nasty. Ew. It's not cute. It's nasty. It's you're mutilating your body. You're sticking a gross. Okay. A purple-haired thing up, I mean, covered in tattoos. And and pictures of her, you know, sitting there with a with a beer. And I come and I said, I said, I ain't letting no purple-haired tattooed snout through her nose like a pig crazy nut who don't even have enough discernment to know that drinking liquor straight out of hell tell me that I'm not loving. That killed the service. You know what happens? When the word of God goes forward, two things happen. People get mad and they ought to get mad. And people get right. And I think a lot of preachers, they're so worried about I don't I don't want to say nothing. I mean, I, I know, I, I preach across the nation in these little church plants, you know, because I, I preached a lot of places once. You may not believe that. But I preach in these little church plants. Lots of times a preacher's scared to death to preach. Because if he preaches what the Word of God says, that carnal woman who's the only woman in town who knows how to play the piano... She ain't coming back. And so what he's, he's walking on eggshells around her. Don't want to say nothing about, about marijuana because her son who lives in, at home smokes it. And she don't want to say nothing. It's my little boy. He's a little devil is what he is. If he's, if he's old enough to smoke pot, he's old enough to get a job, move out, and take care of himself. Hey, yes, amen. Shane got nervous when I said that. Amen. How you doing, Shane? No, he 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 don't he doesn't do that. But power, power their ministry. He got nervous. Amen. The power of their ministry was that they preached the word of God and they prayed. Go with me to Acts chapter number four and verse thirty-one. The Bible says, and when they had prayed. The place was shaken when they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And guess what happens when you get filled with the Holy Ghost? It, say, it says, and they, and they flopped on the floor like a fish and said, ha ba la ba la ba la No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says that they spake the Word of God with boldness. we got too many 007 James Bond secret agent Christians. So many people that if, if you just stand up on the job site and say, hey, I just want to let everybody know I'm born again and I want you to be born again too, it shocked the life out of everybody you work with. They don't know that you're saved. They don't know you as that church guy. They don't know that you live for Jesus. They don't, they don't know that you're one of those. And when I ever, ever since I got saved, when I took a job, I sat down with the manager and I told him, I said, I'll work for you, but I'm one of those. Don't tell dirty jokes around me. I won't, I won't think it's funny. And don't schedule me to come in on Sunday. I ain't coming. Yeah. 
I'm so sick to death of all these teenagers get right with God and, and, and start and start working these jobs. And next thing you know, that some lesbian manager sits there and says, "Well, I'm going to put this kid on on Sunday morning so he can, you know, so he can come and work and and flip burgers for us or work at Taco Bell for us." And you know, mom and daddy been in church all their lives. Said, "Well, we just want little Billy to learn how to work," and they allow it. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. I, listen, I've, I've walked off jobs because they told me that I had to work on Sunday. I, I, I took, I, I interviewed for a job at Best Buy down in Gwinnett, Gwinnett Place Mall in Georgia when I was 18 years old. I'd been saved for about 90 days, and I, I was working as a as a janitor at a public school. I hated that job, and I wanted to find another job, so I wanted to work at Best Buy. And I sat down with the manager, and, and I, he asked me a couple of things about technology, and I told him what I knew. He said, man, I think you'd be a good fit here. I said, yes, sir, I do too. And uh, and I thought, I just to me, that was my dream job, working at Best Buy, hanging out with all that all day, and just, you know, just, just uh, you ain't got to sell nothing. You just got to be there and answer people's questions. Most useless people on the planet. You ask them a question about tech, you know what they do? They pull out their phone and they Google it, and I'm thinking, I could have stayed home and done that. You big dummy. Don't know nothing. How many hurts this TV got? Well, let me Google it real quick. I mean, I, you know, I could have stayed home and done that. Thank you, sir. You're a, you're a TV specialist on your badge, but you don't know nothing. Drive me crazy. Is there, I'm sorry. Is everybody all right tonight? And I sat down with that manager at Best Buy, and I said, uh, he, he, said I, he said, I want you to work. He said, can you come in this Sunday? I said, no. He said, why not? I said, I go to church. He goes, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> he said, well, young man, you need to know something. He said, you need to know that everybody wants to go to church, but if you're going to work here, you're not going to be able to go to church. I said, bye, walked out. Slammed the door of his office on the way out. I'm going to church. And he came chasing after me. He said, what are you doing? I said, I said, I'll go to church. He said, well, the church don't pay the bills. I said, it pays the Holy Ghost bill, and I walked off. I don't even know what that means, but it sounded good. <laughs> pays the Holy Ghost bill. I was a heretic in my early years. But power, the power of the ministry early on. They were preaching, they were praying, and people were getting saved. Go to Acts chapter 6 of 8. And it says this. And in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, do you see that right there? People getting saved all over the place, all over the place. There came a problem. There came a problem. Now, look, number one, I told you the power of the ministry. Number two, I'm going to talk about the problem that they faced. As the ministry grew, they had to delegate things. And the problem today is a lot of preachers are not good delegators. And, and the problem with churches today is that if you try to hand ministry off to the people in the pews, a lot of people in the pews are so scripturally inept, they can't do anything with it. And look what it says there. It says, uh, verse number three, here, here was the solution to the problem. It says, wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. There were three qualifications. They had to be honest report, that knocks out some of you. Full of the Holy Ghost, meaning that they didn't have a country music problem. You know, they, they, they didn't get in their car and I was drunk the day that my mama came out of, got out of prison, wasn't on the radio. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. And then it says, and wisdom. I mean, they knew the Word of God a little bit. And they were, they were functioning 
as faithful Christians. They weren't preachers. They weren't, they weren't whatever. They weren't like on the cover of the sword of the Lord. But these were just good, faithful men. And that's what the church needs today. It's good, faithful. Look, look. Holiness is not just for the people who stand in this platform. Holiness is for everybody. And I think everybody ought to have a testimony for God. Everybody ought to live a clean, holy life in this community, in this world. And I believe that I don't care if you sit in a Sunday school class or you're teaching the Sunday school class. You ought to be living right. You ought to be living holy. You ought to be full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. And of honest reports, what you ought to be. Basically, what the Word of God says was, find seven men who are actually living the Christian life like they're supposed to be living. Problem is today you can't find those people in churches. And look what it says. It says, uh, why, why do we need these guys? Why do the preachers need these guys? Verse number four. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and then to the ministry of the word. So verse number five goes through. It shows you these men. It says there was Stephen. There was Philip. There was Proterus, Nicanor, Timon, Parnius, Nicholas. And those were the seven men that the church chose to be the early deacons. Now, whom they, verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. So they, these men were delegated the authority and delegated a piece of the ministry so that the preachers could keep doing what worked and keep doing the thing that was causing people to get saved in the first place. And I think today what happens in a church is that a church grows, and then all of a sudden preachers are running ragged, and they can't, can't, they can't delegate anything to anybody else. And they've got to go run all over the place. And they have no time for prayer. They have no time for ministry of the word. And, and I, I like what Lester Roloff said. He said, he said when the, the average church is so busy working their preacher and entertaining their preacher. And it's no wonder when he stands up in the pulpit, he ain't got no power. He has no victory because y'all wore him out through the week. I thought, man, that's Lester Roloff was just ripping everybody's faces off for years but listen we need we need people today in churches that are full of the holy ghost that are living right that we can delegate some ministry to that's what we need we desperately need that because the the devil will destroy a ministry by simply being busy that's what he'll do can I say this? I need a vote of confidence. Can I have, let me see here, five, can I have five more minutes to preach? Raise your right hand. You give me five more minutes to preach. And uh, Ken Howell raised his left hand. I can't tell if, if he doesn't understand that or what's going on there. I'm praying for him. I'm going to tell you that there was, there's a prominent philosophy of ministry amongst independent Baptist preachers that came out of Canada. That was work, 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 work. As soon as the sun comes up, get out there knocking doors and work, 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 work. So and so and work, 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 work. That's how cults are run. You know that, right? You know that one of the main tactics of a cult is to work you to death until your mind stops working. That's how Jim Jones did it. Jim Jones made everybody work 18-hour days on the compound. And guess what? When you're when you're that tired and your mind is that foggy, you stop thinking. And what would happen to those people that were in that Jim Jones cult, they would work and work and work so that nobody would stand back and say, I think this is a little weird. But you're too tired to have any clarity. Kind of like me in Bible college, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Amen. I'm just too tired. 
And the philosophy of ministry in, in these churches for a long time was work, work, work. All you people got to go soul winning all, everybody, all the time, 18 hours a day. Let's go, 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 go. And it's no wonder that there was such a problem with sexual immorality in those churches. It's no wonder the man who promoted that ministry, his own son, should have been in prison because of his indiscretions. That's a sad thing. But what was the problem in those churches? Is there anything wrong with soul winning? No, nothing wrong with all that. The problem was that they got so busy that they couldn't give themselves to ministering, to prayer, and the reading of God's Word. And that's what the devil's doing to you, and that's what the devil's doing to me. He's doing it through the phone, he's doing it through the TV, and he's doing it through busy. I have learned this. You know what, you know what the greatest thing that I've learned is to tell people no. Spencer, can you come to my church? No. Spencer, can you can you read this article? No. Spencer, can you watch this video? No. I've got I've got emails coming out of my ears. People asking me help on stuff, and, and, and I you know what I do? I got to say no. Can't watch that. Can't read that. If you want me to do that, then you tell me what it is. Give me the cliff notes. But I've got I've got to make sure that I stay in my Bible. I've got to make sure that I stay reading the Word of God. I've got to say, as it says there in verse number 4 of Acts chapter 6, look there with me. It says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. I've got to do that with my life. And if I'm not doing that, I'm no good to anybody. Let me say this, the power of the ministry, the problem that they had. But number three, what was the priority that they had? The priority, like you see, was that they gave themselves to prayer, to the Word of God. And I want you to see this, okay? Look in verse number 7. Look there with me. The Bible says, as these men gave themselves to prayer and the reading of the Word, as they did that, as they, as they kept the main thing, the main thing, look what it says in verse number 7. And the Word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, if you notice there, okay, you notice that word in verse number 7, multiplied? You all see that word right there? Hold your place there and go back to Acts chapter number 2. Okay, Acts chapter 2, verse 41. It says there, Acts 2, 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were, what's that word? Added. Now it says in Acts 2, 41 that people were being added to the church. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says people being multiplied. Now look, I'm not a math scholar. There's three types of people in the world, those who are good at math and those who aren't. All right? You'll get that. But last time I checked, multiplication resulted in a bigger number than addition. I'm going to say that again because some of y'all didn't get that. This is Kentucky. <laughs> multiplication ends up with a bigger number than addition. And the devil was trying to stop that. You know what he was, you know what he was doing? He wasn't... He wasn't trying to get the people in Acts chapter 6, verse 1. He wasn't trying to get them caught up in immorality. He wasn't trying to get them caught up in some sort of bad doctrine right there. Not there. He was trying to do that other places, but not there. You know what he was trying to do? He was trying to get them. He was trying to stop verse 7 from happening by distracting the preachers. A bunch of griping people. You guys, you guys are not loving to these widows. Nah, 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 nah. 
These guys are reading their Bible, praying, and a bunch of bunch of yahoos are grappling at them. And you know what they did? They had to take time away from the Word of God and prayer to deal with that, and they delegated it away, and then they went back to what was working. And friend, today I want to tell you right now, my whole day has been nothing but distractions. I knew I was preaching tonight. You know what I got? I got 14 phone calls today from preachers. I got a call from somebody in Tennessee ain't talked to me in years. You know what? I, I was about to throw my phone in the river because the devil's just trying to distract me. And I want to tell you something. Every time you, listen, if you ladies decide, you know, I'm going to read my Bible every day. You know what's going to happen? You're going to open up this Bible and you're going to start reading it. Next thing you know, one of your kids falls down the stairs. Or they drop, the, they drop a whole jug of milk in the kitchen floor. You know what you need to do? I'll be there in a minute. Just let them suffer. Don't do that. Please don't. I'll be in the newspaper tomorrow. <laughs> that, that won't go well. But that's, that's what the devil does. He distracts you from the Word of God and from prayer. And the best, listen, Oliver B. Green said this. I heard him say it on the radio once. He said, when the TV came in, revival went out. And I like my TVs. Not TV, TVs. I like them. It comes time I need to turn them off. And I got to get my face in this book. And really, a lot of people are going to destroy their life because they won't do that. My youth pastor fell into sin. I'm going to close my Bible to give you hope, okay? My youth pastor fell into sin. He was the man who led me to the Lord. About three months before it finally all came out, all the things he was doing, I was sitting at his house in Swanee, Georgia. He lived on church property, and he was watching a Braves game. And suddenly, out of nowhere, he just looked at me and said, Spencer, would you pray for me? And I said, yeah, why? What's wrong? And he just, he was mad. He said, he said, I'm, I'm really struggling. I said, why? He said, I, he said, I just can't make myself sit down and read this Bible. And I thought, well, that's weird. You're the youth pastor. <laughs> Certainly you wouldn't have that problem. But if he had that problem, I'm sure everybody else got that problem too. That man's not even married to his wife anymore. And it all started because... He got away from this book. And the devil will just, if he can't get you with whatever, if he can't get you into the hell holes of this world, he'll settle just to keep you away from this. And that is the beginning of the end. Let's pray tonight. Father, please bless now these.